So we're, we're reading from Romans, Romans chapter 8. And last week, Matt um, beautifully introduced this chapter, which is just so packed with goodness. And, and I thought we'd spend uh, you know, a few weeks in this chapter, but as I've been getting into it this week, a few weeks is actually not enough, is it? Did you find that last week? You're going, it's not enough time. So um, I really encourage you that, uh, just to remember, dig in, have a read, and really think about this chapter, Romans chapter 8. Have a think and, and, and invite the Spirit, invite God to uh, speak His truth to you through it. So I'm going to read uh, right now from, from this uh from this section, and in, in my vision of the Bible, it has this title, Future Glory, which is just, oh, isn't that cool? Future Glory. So it's verse 18 in Romans 8. So if you've, got, if you've got a Bible handy, then you can read along with me. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of who, sorry, in the pains of childbirth until now. I'll read that one again. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how, what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for, for the good, for those who are, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So this passage begins, and as I said before, it's, it's, um, it's called in my, in my Bible, Future Glory. And it begins with this idea, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And then it ends with this sentence, and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. So it begins and it ends with glory and being glorified. But it's a, it's a word that we hear a, a fair bit in our culture, and the Bible is filled with it, but it's a very uh, big word, a hard, almost like a hard word to define. Like when you think about it, what is glory? What is glory? In, the, in sort of like the, in our natural world, you might be able to think of examples in the, um, 
An example I was thinking about was with the All Blacks. When we see the All Blacks play, you know, they're the best team in the world, sometimes. And when they play skillfully, we, we, see, the, we see a sense of their glory in, in the way that they play. And like the, um, sometimes it's incredible the, the skill that is on display, and we see a sense of their of, we see a sense of their glory. And then if they if they win, or if they win the Blazer Cup or the World Cup or something, then they get then they get a trophy, and this is like a, almost like a representation of their glory. Or uh, and we and we give them glory. We go, guys, you're the greatest. So we give them we give them glory. And so in our in our world, there's a sense. There's a sense sometimes of glory. And you could probably think of other examples. There's also, um, uh, Lena, you've been a bit rude there. Can you just, even, even in the, there's a sense of the, of the felt glory of famous people. And you might, you might go, and that, that doesn't make sense. But I'm sure that you've experienced it. Because in, in Wellington, often you go to a cafe and there might be a famous person in that cafe. Like we've, um, back when, um, you know, uh, movies were being made in Wellington, you'd go into a cafe and there might be a famous actor, you know, like a Hollywood actor or so on. Or often we get uh, famous rugby players, again, like going back to what I was thinking about before. And, and you have a conversation and someone, someone spots like Tana Umanga and they go, oh, there's, oh, there's Tana Umanga. And everybody kind of turns around to see Tana Umanga. And it's like this, just this, almost like this felt the glory of that person. And we Kiwis, we hate that kind of thing. We're like, nah, nah, nah. Everyone's on the same level. But you can't deny it. You can't deny it. I remember walking down the street uh, a couple of months ago, and there was, um, uh, what's the Wellington's mayor's name again? Andy Foster. Andy Foster walking down the terrace. And I was like, there's Andy Foster. I, just, you know, I felt like telling someone. I just saw Andy Foster. Now I've told you all. But there's like that, that, that glory of a person. Do you know what I mean? Or when someone, when a famous person, uh, when you discover that there's some you know, dirty secrets in their past, then there's like that, that phrase that we used about their, like their tarnished glory. Like there's something in their past, their tarnished glory. And I'm sure that you can think of examples. In the Bible, the... Um, Glory is used. This is, I think, why this chapter, this passage has been um, a challenge for me because the the Bible is filled with the use of this word, glory, and being glorified and so on. And then when you think about it, I mean, you might have been reading the Bible for years and years, or you might be be new to it, but it's a very uh, far-reaching word, so it becomes quite, quite difficult to actually know what we mean when we say glory. And, um... There's, there's three kind of senses that I, want, that I want to pick up, and it really is just scratching, really scratching the surface. And the first characteristic, is, is first meaning is sort of like as a, as a characteristic of God in the sense of his perfection uh, or his beauty or his, like, his ways of doing things. It's a characteristic of God. And in uh, Romans 3, Romans 3, 23, uh, is a famous, famous passage where it says, um, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Like this, 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 this glory of God, this, this, his, his way or, or who he is, and we, we don't measure up. Like we fall, short of, we fall short of the glory of God. And the good news, of course, is that what we celebrated this morning in communion, where because of Jesus, we... Um, he makes us like up to, up to that level in a sense when, he, when our sins are forgiven. 
So there's that, that characteristic of God. There's also something that can be uh, uh, experienced or or felt or seen of God. And a a great example is back in 1 Kings Kings 8, verse 10. I hope I put a bookmark in this page. I didn't. Yeah. 1 Kings in the Old Testament, chapter 8. Verse ten. All right. So this is um, this is a story from when uh, Solomon and the Israelites had built this temple, the temple for God, and they'd gone through a whole process of getting that temple ready for God, and then God comes and fills the temple, and it says in uh, verse ten. And in 11, it says, And when the priests came out of the holy place, so that was like this, this the holiest place of the temple. When the priests came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister. So they all fell down, right? The priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. So there's this something they could see, a cloud, and there's something they could feel, and it was so powerful that they all fall down. Like that sense of glory. We don't get that sense of glory when we see an all black in a cafe. That's the glory of the Lord. And there's loads of examples where uh, the glory of the Lord is seen as like fire or light, power. Uh, we also, in the Bible, there's um, evidence of God's glory when, when God acts, when he, when he does something, like a, something miraculous. And uh, if we jump into the New Testament in the book of uh, John, do I have a bookmark on this page? <laughs> no, I don't. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, chapter 2. In John chapter 2, it's the story of one of Jesus' first miracles. And I really love this, that Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine at a wedding. At a wedding. Like, how good is our God that he takes water and turns it into wine? And it says in verse 11, This, the first of the signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana and Galilee, Galilee, and it manifested his glory. Like, Don't you think that's so cool? He turns water into wine, and this was a manifestation or uh, a way of de- demonstrating his glory. And so there's a sense of uh, gl- the glory of God being manifested or shown through, through what he does. The Father also glorifies, glorifies the Son. Jumping forward in John to uh, chapter 17. Elena loves this. (laughs) It's making it run around. Hey, you love it, Elena. In chapter 17, Jesus prays and he goes, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all. All whom you have given him. And then he goes on to say, I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So again, like this, over and over it says, glory, glorified. And Jesus glorified God 
through, through what he did, his actions on earth, the way that he lived his life, his, his miracles, his signs and wonders, and also, I think, his intimate relationship with, with the Father. And then ultimately, he go, this is the prayer that before he goes to the cross, so there's this, there's this incredible mind-spinning thing that Jesus dying on the cross, going lifted up on the cross, is actually a moment of glory. But then it doesn't end there. Right, being... Um, uh, raised from the grave is a moment of glory, showing his victory over death, and then ascension, being lifted up, going from this dimension into the heavenly realm, as as uh, G- Jesus being revealed, Jesus revealing the glory of God or His glory. So people would see this, like the the disciples or the people around Jesus would see. See the glory of God in Jesus. Uh, the transfiguration, the moment when uh, Jesus went up onto, uh, onto a hilltop with a few of his closest friends, and all of a sudden, his, uh, you know, started shining uh, bright, bright with white light, I guess. And it's like this moment of seeing his glory people seeing Jesus in his glorified state. It's like they were seeing behind a veil. And then, uh, then there's a third sense in the, in the Bible where, um, of, of glory or being glorified, and this is like where we, we sometimes sing songs and we, uh, or we praise the Lord or we, we glorify the Lord. When we give God honor and praise, we glorify him. And this is similar, I think, into the ways that we, we might glorify sporting heroes or uh, rock stars or even politicians or so on. We glorify them by, by praising them. I really want to um, just come back to a passage in uh, Ezekiel. About the... Um, about the glory of God. And this is where the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel had a vision of the throne room of the king of kings. Remember, the king of kings is the one who is in our, in our midst this morning. And it says, And above the expanse, over their heads, so he's having this incredible vision, right, of um, amazing creatures and so on. And above the expanse, over their heads, was the likeness of a throne. He keeps on talking about the likeness or the appearance of something because he can't put into words what he's, what he's seeing. So it's always, it's like something else. Above their heads was the likeness of a throne. And in an appearance like sapphire, and seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance. And upward... From what had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward, from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire, and there was brightness around him, like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness all around. That last sentence like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain. What's he talking about? Rainbow. rainbow a rainbow. And I don't know if you uh, saw the double rainbow during the week. It was Tuesday night. I was driving home from Pack and Save, and there was this most incredible rainbow over our city. And I look at that, and it, and it, and it reminds me of, of God. And you see a rainbow, and it's actually like 
like um, the glory of God in his throne room, like the appearance of the rainbow that is in the cloud, so was the appearance of the, gli- of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. So he's like those priests that fell down when the glory of God entered, entered the room. This is glory. This is scratching the surface of glory. And I think this is why the glory of God, and when it talks about glory in the Bible, it's very, very hard for us to get our heads around it. Because, you know, like Ezekiel, he saw something, but he can only explain it in terms of, uh, like, this is like something else. This is like something else. And yet we come back to that passage in Romans 8. So this is my, where I come back to where I started. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. There's a glory. We live in hope. Like we say, we face sufferings and difficulties, but we live in hope that there's going to be this glory revealed to us. But it's more than that. It's more than even that we, that we have this hope of seeing something special or experiencing something special. We get, we get invited into God's glory to share in his glory and, and even to be glorified ourselves, which is all pretty great. We all probably, in our, in our vanity, long to be glorified. But this glory that uh, the Lord is inviting us into is it's for us, but it's for the whole world. It's for the whole world because it says in Romans 8, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Like there's something here. There's something here that God invites us into that actually the world is crying out for. It needs. It needs it. And it's it's the glory of God. It's the glory of God. And I think part, part of what the glory of God is is almost a sense of the way things were meant to be, like before the fall. The glory of God in creation, perhaps. Second Corinthians 3.18. I'm going to cheat and just jump to it on my iPad. Second Corinthians 3.18, a, a verse that... Um, Matt talked about last week. It says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one, degree, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. We all with unveiled face, we have an unveiled face again because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of his sacrifice. We can behold the glory of God and actually be transformed into the same image. And if you read later in, in, the, in the book of Second Corinthians, the image is Jesus Christ, who is the image of God. And as we behold the glory of God being transformed into the image, it goes from one, one degree of glory to another. I think, Dad, you've talked about this a wee bit, and it's probably gotten to my mind, the sense of one degree. So there is a progression. And I think maybe the prophecy was at Uran that was singing out during the worship about surrendering the corners of our hearts to him. 
This, this is where we, we move from one degree of glory to another. It's through surrender. It's through sacrifice. It's actually through dying to, it's through dying to ourselves and letting go of our past that we can move from one degree of glory to another. And this glory is actually things that the world needs. So how? How do we do this, God? How do we move from one degree of glory to another? How do we, how do we begin to function um, as, I don't know, glory, glory bringers in our, in our world? And I think the first part is in this, in this passage in Corinthians where it says, by beholding God's glory. And you go, James, but how do you do that? <laughs> how do you behold God's glory? And I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know, but I do know some things. One way is so when we gather together as a congregation and Jesus says, I'm there in their midst because they gather in my name and we bring our, all that we can of ourselves, our, our attention, our minds. We, we do our best to put aside our distraction. We try to fill our thoughts uh, um, with with truth of what is revealed in, in God's word in the Bible. We try to understand the Bible as much as we can because it speaks of who God is. Now, worshiping, worshiping the Lord and uh, in, in song or other ways, beholding the Lord. Beholding the Lord, we get uh, transformed. Even inviting the Holy Spirit to go, Lord, Lord, I'm going to pray for us right now, actually. Lord, would you remove from our eyes the, the veil so that we might behold you more and more? Lord, would you reveal your glory to us? Your sons and daughters, we long to see you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. By uh, another way of... Um, being glory givers, glory bringers in our world is actually by participating and partnering with God, doing, doing what Jesus did. Remember how Jesus turned water into wine and that manifested his glory. So when Jesus, when Jesus did the things of God, which he did all the time because he was God, he was, he was manifesting God's glory. So if we do the things of God, when we do the things of God, we're manifesting the glory of God, which is what our world is crying out for, what Wellington is crying out for, what Lower Hutt City is crying out for, what Poirua is crying out for, what Paikokariki is crying out for, eh? The glory of God. Praying for others, telling people about Jesus, um, Doing, doing good works for others. This is all ways of actually manifesting his glory. The simple stuff. Even, even in our own, sort of in our, in our private lives, living sanctified or pure lives. Um, laying down our, surrendering our own, our own desires or sacrificing our own, uh, our own wants and needs and going, Lord, what is it, what is it that you want? Transformed from, from one degree of glory to another degree of glory, sacrificing our desires for Him. Abiding, <laughs> being in His presence, being in His presence, being in Him, getting close to Him, finding every way that you can. You might try, you might try one way of praying, it doesn't really work. Don't give up. Try another way of, of praying or um, or seeking the Lord. I sometimes I um, I love uh, listening to like podcasts or li listening to different um, you know Bible teachers or preachers 
Sometimes that works for me. I go for a period of weeks where I listen to loads of podcasts, and then all of a sudden I, it's not really doing it for me. So I find, find other ways, find more and more ways of being in his presence, getting close, being still and knowing that he is God. Someone preached about that a couple of weeks ago. And I think in all of this, I really loved what uh, Matt said last week about the progression of the book of, uh, book of Romans, of the chapter, chapter 8 in Romans, where it begins with, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because in ourselves, we can, any glory that we can possibly uh, manifest on our own is actually just going to be human, human glory, which I don't need to tell you, but it's a temporary, it's a temporary thing. It's a temporary thing because you become a great sports star. Awesome. We see your glory. You get glorified, but you might get old. Well, you will get old. You might not be able to keep up with those skills forever. So what happens to, what happens to that glory? It's a temporary thing. It disappears. The glory of the Lord, though, is, a, is eternal. And what's more is it's advancing from one degree of glory to another. It says in the Word, in Revelation, that the bride... The bride of Jesus, which is the church, is going to be rowed with glory. And so in, that, uh, in the culmination of all things, there's going to be this time when the, the bride of Jesus, the church, uh, is going to be seen and, and all of her glory is fit for the king of glory who is Jesus. Isn't that nuts? That's us. And you look around and you go, man, we're a pretty average looking bunch. Some of you are not, but uh, others Fairly average, Nicholas. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I do. I know my weakness. And I'm like, um, we have this treasure in jars of clay, in jar, a jar of clay, but we've got this glory within us that the world is crying out for. Anyway, so the beginning is there's no condemnation in Christ. No condemnation. So all the things we've done wrong, we go, okay, I'll leave that at the foot of the cross. There's no more condemnation. I can now walk in the freedom of, um, of my future glory in him and my glory that I can, his glory that I can display now. And then this chapter ends with no separation, no separation, as close as close can be. There's no air between us, no light, you know, we're that close, that close, no separation between us and Christ Jesus. And that's scratching the surface of glory. It's seriously, it's only touching on this surface of glory. And I hope that this morning, if nothing else, that it's kind of whet your appetite to go, what does it mean that God is uh, a glorious God, that the, his throne room is filled with his glory, that there's all these rainbows going on, and somehow that's his glory? What does it mean that creation is crying out that we, sons and daughters of God, would be revealed as his sons and daughters and, and would be um, showing the glory, his glory? The glory of the children of God. Though whom he predestined, he also called. He's predestined each one of you here, even if you don't know him yet. He's calling you. He's calling all of us. Those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. There's this promise that even as jars of clay, that we will be, uh, we will be glorified. Doesn't that sound cool? Man, I think that sounds awesome. And... For ourselves, but for our city. 
for our world. Our world is crying out for it. I think it's just it's mind blowing when you think about we bring we bring simple acts, simple things, being able to pray for another person. It's sort of showing the glory of God. If they're healed, you know, we see the glory of God. If they're not healed, it still shows the glory of God because we're we are recognizing and we're declaring that He is God in that situation. Even when we come we come to we come together in church and um you know, we, we bring our song, we bring our simple songs of worship. There's this glory in that moment. And Lord, you give us eyes to see that.